Susan Felth, the Citizen Kane of podcasting. Modern man is confronted with so many movies. Which ones are films? And which ones are filth? at number 100 from Akira Kurosawa it's a rumination on the nature of a life well lived it's Ikiru is it a film or is it filth that's what we decide here films are filth it's a citizen cane of podcasting uh, where we look at the top 100 films on IMDB and the bottom 100 films as voted by IMDB users I guess that's the right term by the scum of the earth. By the scum of the earth. Okay. There's... I'm looking for filmth. Filmth? That's that's yeah. I can't even say that. That's too difficult to even get out of Filmth. Yeah. Filmth. Okay. Uh anyway, this is Matt. I was the this second is... to talk. This is Luke. I was the first to talk. This is Mark. I was the third to talk. There. And that's the way the no, no, I screwed up the uh the order <laughs> of the intro there. Okay. No, uh, we said the numbers. They can figure it out. Yeah, do do your own math. Listeners are required to do their ma- own math. Do your podcast. research. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, I ain't doing no math, so that's on the <laughs> listeners. <laughs> so I first saw this film probably uh, 20-something years ago in, in my full-on film dork phase. Um, I think we uh, our, our mutual friend Andrew has said a few times when he left the blockbuster, he got a bunch of films for like $1.00. And I had him get me several Kurosawa films. I, I got this and Throne of Blood and and, so, and maybe The Hidden Fortress for like a dollar on VHS. Uh, this one, you know, I watched once around age 20. You can't make sense of it at age 20, I think. So I watched Throne of Blood and um, Seven Samurai more often. And then I just watched this again. I, feel I like watched this, this be... film for the first time yesterday. But weirdly, one... No, last weekend before last, I was at the movie theater and saw the trailer for the English language remake of this film that I had no idea about. (laughs) And it's just pure coincidence that that ended up being the film that we're starting this podcast with. And you you told me, who who is the star of that again? Bill Nye. Okay, I I guess. Yeah, sure. I don't know. Oh, he's... I think it's our friend Rob made the observation that Bill Nye is the guy who... He he brings a touch of prestige, but he's only ever actually done like crap films where he's the touch of prestige. He's never actually done anything prestige. So maybe this is him finally trying to make his real movie. <laughs> I guess it's just like a remake of a, of a. I mean, how does that even translate to a different culture? Okay, maybe we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah. <laughs> this could translate to a different culture. You just change the office. This could be the movie Office Space. You could just. Put the movie office space in the middle of it, and it would make perfect sense. Yeah, I, I think Matt is hung up on the idea that this is a film about the Japanese workplace. And obviously, it touches on that, but like, it's not actually unique to Japan that we waste our lives toiling for capitalism or that everything is run by bureaucracies that can't make decisions. And Japan is a particularly extreme example of both those things, especially at the period this is set. But it's not unique. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess you could do it. And I, I was thinking, I guess if you're doing the UK bureaucracy, you got a lot more to go with because, you know, American bureaucracy is just like aggressively annoying. 
like uh, American bureaucracy here. usually involves a lot of incompetence and uh, nepotism and graft and laziness. I mean, that's <laughs> how it feels to me anyway. It's just there's a bunch of like 80% of the people you deal with faked it till they made made it and they're still faking it and they have they, they insist yeah they 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 are screaming fakeness at you well i guess here they politely tell you to go away whereas in america they like aggressively ignore you or tell you to go away <laughs> yeah i basically the last office job i had was i was basically trying to get accounting to pay for things and they said they would and then they just kept not paying for them mm. Um, had you seen this one before, Mark? No, I had not. My first time was last week. Okay. That is kind of the point here, uh, you know, to force ourselves to watch a lot of things that we would not have seen otherwise, both in a good and a bad way. Um, I think it's the first Kurosawa movie I've seen that wasn't like a period piece. It's my first non-samurai one, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's what's interesting is that we're watching it 70 years later, so to me it feels like a period piece about like Showa Irish Man, but yeah. <laughs> I, up to this point, Kurosawa had not really made samurai films. That was, I mean, he basically made like city, like crime films and and things. Uh, I think it's the fifty, like Rashomon's a year after this, if hmm. I remember correctly. So it's kind of awesome. It feels like he was building up to it. Maybe he just he got enough clout where he's like, you know what, build a cat or take me to this castle. We're gonna film stuff in this castle. Like hmm. Brahms couldn't write his first symphony until he was fifty almost. Hmm. Sorry, that was what did he do before that? He wrote lots of music. He Jingles was... for um, advertisements. <laughs> yeah, 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 lullabies. Juicy fruit, it's going to move you. But he was just like, uh, well, in his case, I don't think that was Kurosawa's case because there was no Beethoven of Japanese cinema. That would be him, I guess. But in Brahms' case, he's like, I can't write a symphony because it's going to get directly compared to Beethoven. I'm not ready for that. So it mm. took him a while. <laughs> um, let's get deeper in this film, but I will go ahead and uh, give people the quick plot. Kenji Watanabe is hitting the late stages of bureaucratic civil service middle age, as well as the late stages of terminal stomach cancer. He hides the latter part of that information from his sycophantic son and daughter-in-law, instead partying down in the seedier parts of Tokyo and making platonic buddies with the quirky girl who just quit his department. But duty calls and Kenji's life needs a meaning. He returns to his job and pushes through mountains of red tape to build a park that the locals can dig. He dies singing in the snow on a swing in the realized park, and his former co-workers just can't make head or tails of his motivations. Plot complete. I like that you used late stage so much there, because, you know, late stage capitalism is what really kills him in this. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say? Did I say yeah. multiple times? You said you, said you made you made a little point about late in a career, late stage. Oh, cancer, oh, oh so. late stages. Yeah. yeah, I used it twice. Okay, I also wrote it late at night, so you yeah. know. <laughs> I I will I'll say this when I was watching it at the beginning when the guy at the at the doctor's office was saying they're just going to tell you it's an ulcer, but it's actually cancer and you'll die, and then they tell him it's an ulcer and they insist it's an ulcer. I thought. Oh, this is what this is going to be. He's going to think that he has cancer, but he actually mm. just had an ulcer. But like, no, not at all. They actually legitimately lied to him. Yeah, as soon as he walks out the door, the doctor says, "Oh, he's got six months to live." Yeah, they, they <laughs> had to do that, and uh, that's one of the most messed up things 
than the entire film. I well, I mean, I, I guess, you know, I had my little run in with lymphoma a few years ago and it, they def and that was, you know, that was like the Disneyland of cancer. Right. But, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> but they, they weren't like, I remember it was like, it like took several, several steps for them to properly tell me what it was even like recently. Yeah. <laughs> like they, I mean, I guess you don't, you, you're just as a doctor, I guess, you know, people flip out in your office if you're too direct sometimes. I don't know. I can't imagine what that's like in Japan. Like, well, I mean, some... the implication here, and I, I'm, I'm sure it's somewhat unfair to real Japanese doctors, was if we tell him the truth, he won't go to work. Hmm. Well, mm. was how I read what the guy was saying to him. That's how we <laughs> deal with COVID. Yeah. Like if we if we if we make too big of a deal out of it, then people won't go to work. So you know, still economy's still tanking along on that one. Get your COVID holiday. Um. <laughs> let's, let's, let's talk about the actors a little bit because uh takashi shimura kind of is kurosawa's main man you know mifuni's more of like the guy that, you know i guess he's the one we usually identify with um kurosawa but but you know uh, this guy is the guy that actually shows up in like 19 of his films i think this might be his only time as the actual lead though <laughs> well he was incredible i don't know he was uh he he managed to make the role endearing and funny and sad at the same time and it wasn't like i i know a lot of the other characters in the film kind of wanted to get away from him but i i wanted to spend time with him he had this really interesting mix like just in his face of sometimes looking sort of like a droopy little dog but then with certain angles a certain light, lighting looking so skeletal yeah, and his like voice like deteriorates as the film goes. Like, I mean, that was a pretty. I mean, I, I guess that's an acting choice, but because by yeah. you know that's just, like, very Japanese acting choice, right, right, right. One, I think, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, we won't do this movie too soon. But just compare this role with his Seven Samurai role, where it's it's pretty wild. You know <laughs> how different he is between the two. Mm. It's it reminds me of like I I read that Christopher Reeve. Part of why he made such a great Superman was he took these specific acting lessons on how to control his shoulder muscles. So it's like he looks so much more buff as Superman than Clark Kent, even though he's clearly not doing much except for changing clothes. And he, I feel yeah, like he does. He, he did do a great job of seeming like a different person. Yeah. And like then you watch like um, Lois and Clark in the 90s, where he's just this buff supermodel as both. <laughs> <laughs> it's like. <laughs> well. From that, based on that dude's, so yeah, based on Dean Kane's politics, I can only assume that he's kind of an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I happily live in a world where I have no clue what Dean Kane's politics are. <laughs> well, don't worry, he's going to tweet at us really soon. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, <laughs> the co-star, I, I mean, you know, it's basically like kind of a almost a vignette sort of films. So I, I, I guess uh, Miki. Odigiri as as the uh well I call it the quirky girl I don't know How, what was your take she is like an early example of a manic pixie dream girl in a way <laughs> I thought so yeah, yeah, I, I almost wrote that in my notes <laughs> she's like Laverne and Shirley that's that's what she reminded me of oh okay that, of. that's too old a Laverne or, or, or Shirley yeah, I, get it. But, I mean the, Laverne and Shirley took place during this time period even though it was a period piece unlike this mm. film Right, it's a right. 70s show about the 50s, and this is the 50s. Right. Yeah. Where's the Vern Shirley? I never picked up on that. Happy days, you do. They they, they kind of shove that down your throat, but 
do the math listeners <laughs> that's your I, you do not listen to this podcast without like a, a blank sheet of paper and a pencil and a protractor in front yeah, of you. you have to take notes you have to draw the map <laughs> this draw is like the, the first zelda yeah okay um anyway yeah okay early manic pixie dream girl sure but yeah 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 uh, i guess i guess that's the thing in japan especially in 1950 the idea was as soon as women get married they're out of the office anyway she quits because she's bored which is the much better reason but mm. yeah she wants <laughs> to make bunny rabbits yeah that's cool you, you gotta get behind that right well i i wonder like how the japanese viewing audience of 1952 felt about oh she just wants to make bunny rabbits i mean how do you think how do you guys think that the japanese people would have reacted to that uh, well because clearly people were quite mocking of working in a government office building yeah. So I don't think people would have been like, oh, she's wasting her life. And producing toys is basically what saved Japan after the war. So, you know, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they look like cool bunny rabbits. I'm just like, I'm curious of the, because you guys have more of a perspective than I do, but I'm really curious of like how, how audience would have felt about this in the 50s, because I think Americans would probably have connected with this pretty well, even though this barely got an American release at all. And I think it just had like the dancing lady on the poster from the bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I saw that post poster and that she has a very large position on it <laughs> as like considering. And it was called, do you, did you see what the name of it was when it got the American release? No. Doomed. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting because that's the opposite of the japanese name and exactly. so misses the point <laughs> it misses, it's like someone watched the first 10 minutes of it which might have been what happened actually it's like if, it's like if they watched it's a wonderful life but didn't see the ending and just called it it's a shit life <laughs> <laughs> they called it bank <laughs> <laughs> well, that'd be a, the pixar version that's the, the Pixar movie called Bank would be about a bank that talks and it spits it walk, money. It walks. People. It walks the whole bank. Yeah, it walks walk around it. Yeah. And, it, <laughs> and it falls in love with a crypto scam. <laughs> what is the crypto scam? Another building? It's the Manic Pixie Dream Girl of banks. Okay. That's cool. But then the bank's parents die and it's very sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we should be. Yeah, we, this is the new Pixar's writer room. Oh, yeah, right on. So. I guess everyone. Okay, well, there's there's our um, not I want to ragamuffin guy that takes um, um Kenji well, it, through Yoshi. There's Kenji. There's Kenji's all the way through, but then it's like there's the section where he tries to live with this writer guy. There's the section where he tries to learn how to live from this girl, and then it feels like they're gonna have a whole section about him building the park, but they kind of skip most of it. We see a few flashbacks, but it just jumps straight away to and now he's dead. Yeah, well, that's why I wanted to bring up the uh, guy he parties with because past that, it's like, and there's a bunch of bureaucrats. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, the whole point is, oh, I guess we're talking about them now. The whole point is like, as they're arguing about like, what are his motivations? Why do you do this? Do you know he's dying? I mean, they're having it's just like the most inane conversation possible, you know. <laughs> what was that? That was to me the most relatable part of the film was that going. We've all been to funerals where it brings out like the worst in people, right? Mm -hmm. I think that that might be like a universal thing and it's sort of brings out the worst in these guys. And then slowly they realize like what 
that this guy was actually really cool and they're like we're gonna change everything even though they're drunk so you well, the things you realize when you're drunk <laughs> they're gonna forget it tomorrow yeah. yeah 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 forget give up same thing but that was the um the one who really came across as slime during that whole bit was the mayor yeah the death making mayor. the funeral about him which again oh, yeah. very real and well observed mm-hmm <laughs> Well, yeah, when the that... one guy says, actually, screw the deputy mayor, and then somebody's like, uh, let's not go that far. <laughs> that just squashes it immediately, yeah. Well, I guess that's where, um, you know, Kurosawa had been making all those crime films the past few years, like Stray Dog and stuff, because, you know, like, some of the interactions with the upper guys in City Hall does feel like dealing with the Yakuza or something. Hmm. <laughs> Well, weren't there? Wasn't there literally Yakuza in this film? Or did yeah, I yeah, I, I think I, I, that's what I'm saying. I, I felt like he was going through the bureaucratic process and then hitting a Yakuza wall. You know? Yeah. Well, which is which, especially back in the fifties, was part of the bureaucratic process, right? Yeah, yeah. When I you mean, see those little mom and pa stores, you, they're they're paying something to the mob. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like that is I a, like... part of the Japanese infrastructure. Is just the Yakuza deals with this bit. <laughs> I mean, I live in Atlanta, and I'll, we've had at least one mayor in jail in the past 20 years, like in prison, <laughs> and another one might go to prison soon, another ex-mayor. Like, we, we definitely have our issues with stuff like that. They could have the mayor's block in the prison. That'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be like the kingpin in uh, Daredevil, where it's like he's doing a bunch of bench pressing, and people come to see him, and he's like, what can the mayor do for you? <laughs> Yeah, right on, of course. <laughs> That's Luke's dream, right? Pixar should do that, too. <laughs> but it's not my dream that the actual Kingpin rule actual New York. <laughs> no, no, you, you, it's I, my I, dream I, that Spider-Man goes and beats up all the current people who rule New York. I don't need additional <laughs> bad guys. <laughs> no, I thought you wanted to just be pumping iron when people come up and you're like, what can I do for you? You're going to be. The oh, king. OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's, that's my dream to be the kingpin. Yeah, sure. you, you yeah. can be a Nevelin kingpin if you want. But uh, yeah, yeah, he maybe he, uh, he can be kingpin so. outside of prison, maybe. Yeah. OK. I have I have many times in my life thought oh, a little stay in prison, finish my writing, get in shape. It wouldn't We've... be too bad. <laughs> we've all had that thought and that's what capitalism does to you i'm just like yep yeah i wouldn't have to worry about work where to go to work and how where i get food from and uh so the one thing that has me slightly conflicted and then not saying it's a bad artistic choice or anything but in order to live he does go back to his bureaucratic job and the best he can do is a park i guess that's good for five months I don't know. No, the, the issue I have isn't that I can understand that, but the issue I have is that the fact that he got that park built is at least partly luck because it's like, it's one of those things where I, I know he tried the best he could and he succeeded, but it's yeah. also like, well, un, under some circumstances, he wouldn't have necessarily gotten it done because he just happened to, I don't know, see an opportunity and go for it. But it's 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 still a success story, which all success all relies partly on luck. I mean, how do we get this podcast? We were all lucky. We have computers. Yeah, (laughs) I'd say. Well, I I wonder if it's like kind of a well, the the people in this conversation between music, writing, things like that, I guess, have a little more of an artistic vibe where this is a 
basically just get something built vibe, which I don't know if any well, of us have as much. <laughs> well, I've always been, and, and a lot of musicians do this, I've always been a little bit wary of the, um, where somebody writes a song that's like, hey man, I can't work in an office, I can't work nine to five, you're a zombie man, and I'm like, it's it's hard for me to, the, this film doesn't do that for very long, but it's hard for me to deal with any art form that looks down on like someone who just goes to work and works in an office because we can't all make art. It's just yeah, not, it's not possible. Like, even if there are plenty of people out there who are talented enough to have been great artists who just didn't get lucky. Or maybe didn't feel like it. Oh, <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. Feel like taking that risk and giving up on having, you know, security. And I, I guess that's so, the yeah. point of the, the first two people he sort of shadows is we have the writer, he's doing that. We, you know, the lady's making her bunnies, right? So mm-hmm. I guess his inspiration is well, I'll, I'll, at least I know this one thing I've been doing for the past 30 plus years and I can use that to... Well, oh, that's it, because it's thing. the bunny girl, she's not... Bunny girl is loaded term. It's just, she's not <laughs> out, like... She's not out pursuing a particularly artistic career. I think she's still working a job. She's just found a way to feel good about that job. And that's what he takes on board, is like, okay, well, I don't have to go and write a novel or whatever to feel like I've done something with my life. I just have to take pride in doing this. And that yeah, is actually a good a good thing that anyone can take away. That's true. I mean, the writer, you have to take away that the writer probably isn't that happy that often because to to go and have all that fun night on the town, he basically has to find a guy who says, I have 50,000 yen. I just want to blow it as quickly as possible. Right. You know, that's not, that's not <laughs> really real life. And that's not all the blowing that's going to happen with this money. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, this is an eighties Japan man. <laughs> as much as we were saying it's a period piece though, um it, it some of these settings are weirdly modern too. Um there's a there's the little local Izakaya, you know, Japanese pub like geez, three hundred meters from my house and it's it looks just like the pubs and Oh yeah, I think they haven't changed in at least since this time period, maybe for like centuries before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, your country just preserves things a lot better. I couldn't even, I couldn't even find you like a Wendy's that looks like a Wendy's from 1995. In oh, I, I just seen pictures. Of, it was a mall in Pennsylvania or New Jersey where they basically uncovered a Burger King that someone had locked the door to in like 1998 so it had like the super <laughs> 80s styling and everything in there so <laughs> nice yeah they should reopen that burger king yeah <laughs> it has like, like... You know, sideways or you know on angle squares like decorating the the walls and stuff yeah you can get I the miss... asbestos deluxe <laughs> yeah <laughs> i miss when the arby's had the thing where the seating was off to the side of the counter instead of directly in front of the counter Remember those, the old Arby's? I just remember that they had like their annex section with the kitchen. They had an arcade machine in the back, and it was the only fast food place that had an arcade machine. I've never been to an Arby's, so I'll take your word for it. <laughs> it's Imagine if you had like some roast beef and you sliced it really thin and then let it sit for a while and then made it into a liquid and then reconstituted it. And then ate a sandwich of oh, it. Sounds grand. <laughs> <laughs> it's the the best way I could describe it is sweaty. <laughs> the um 
the bureaucratic setup in this movie is way more wooden. You don't find such nice woodwork, even in Nagano, where we have lots of nice woodwork. But the procedure is basically the same. Those crazy stamps are all the same. Like um, in Japan, when you go to a doctor's, they have, just have this weird brick of little stamps and that they use for prescriptions. And I, I noticed that in this movie because they still use that. I mean, um, what was it? I, I, had a, I had a student a few years ago. This is when I taught adults. And she was a pharmacist. And... Like she was like, I still am required to keep all of my um, patient data on three and a half uh, inch floppy disks. <laughs> this is like oh, yeah. 2014 when she's. What, I mean, <laughs> wasn't it recently that there's something? God, was it Chuck E. Cheese where they still run their like animatronics off three and a half floppies? Oh, they probably. I can do. believe that. They they've changed out. They don't. A lot of them don't have um, the animatronics anymore. Though now it's just like. It's like a dance party and they have a big screen and they might have one or two people come out like in suits, but they don't really have the animatronics so much, which is a bummer. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, last time I saw a Chuck E. Cheese in person, the uh, sign had a Chuck E. Cheese with his eyebrows gone. He doesn't have <laughs> eyebrows anymore. So I was like, Did somebody check on him. If you want to have, speak, uh, since we already brought up Dean Kane, if you want to have fun looking at people's political history, look at the guy that uh, invent, or built the Rock of Fire explosion, the... Uh, the, oh the, yeah the grill that, that guy is a maniac <laughs> <laughs> luke you'd like this yeah. it's a band it's a animatronic uh, band where the lead the leader is a giant gorilla i think i think i have listened to a podcast on it okay <laughs> it, and chuck e cheese and all the rest of them and yeah it's all pretty bonkers like 80s atari money just getting passed around like <laughs> the pizza wars of the 80s yeah. man that's that's the thing <laughs> yeah that was a weird thing where nolan bushnell sold atari and uh, part of the settlement was he wasn't allowed to compete in the video game space. So he's like, all right, I'll open this pizza place with robots. That's just a, completely insane. That, see, I feel like <laughs> this insane. movie would have been a lot more fun. If <laughs> <laughs> he went to Chuck E. Cheese? No, he, if he had opened his own Chuck E. Cheese just before dying. Do you know <laughs> what the E stands for? entertainment charles entertainment yes. cheese charles entertainment cheese hey, don't you try me on weird esoteric knowledge like this dude. <laughs> i think i think that one's pretty well known these days yeah and the, anyway the, the original chuck e cheese that seemed more like he'd break your legs and he had a bowler hat that's my chuck e cheese <laughs> yeah the 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 eyebrow shaving one is like yeah you want some pizza do you you're gonna have to pay for that <laughs> well it's like what was the one big one that looked actually threatening the gorilla i guess that was a gorilla i don't remember okay okay i don't remember the gorilla's name off the top of my head so there is that maybe he's just gorilla that's how that's how japan does it at least <laughs> oh you know what I th i'm thinking of showbiz pizza yeah yeah i know showbiz and Chuck E. Cheese, they were the same company for a while, and then like Chuck E. Cheese ate the bones. They, they told the Rock and Fire guy, like, can we have the IP for nothing? He was like, no! <laughs> so. Yeah. Okay, for sure, the showbiz, like the giant rat from Showbiz Pizza is the scary one. Okay, yeah, yeah, There's a lot of these are scary, but yeah. <laughs> That's is why it as scary as stomach cancer? Um... I'm trying to segue back to the yeah, actual yeah, I film. See. <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> well, I Not guess really. I guess a a neighborhood park is the Chuck E. Cheese of 1950s Japan. Mm. 
When did, when did Japan start getting really fun wax stuff? The 60s? I think we need Tokyo Tower to start making that happen. Did you say yeah. wax stuff? Whack. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, I, I just want to make sure I wasn't missing something. Like fun wax museums. There's a brief run-in with Pachinko in this. I was like, oh, I guess Pachinko's... Mm -hmm. like I, that was amused me that the the first thing he took him to to show him how to live life <laughs> was a pachinko parlor. Oh, you're not asking yeah. the right guy. <laughs> I, I think when Mark visited Japan, I just drug you through a pachinko parlor like with oh. no warning, right? Oh, no, this is what happened. I was like, wow, I want to see a pachinko parlor. And then then we kind of walk in there and everyone looks like zombies and the, the din of the balls is just like... <laughs> Like you can't, you couldn't hear anything. I was like, "Oh no, oh no, this is depressing. We have to leave right now." No, more depressing than any casino I've ever seen. Like the, the lighting. First, first time I went into a pachinko parlor, I turned around, walked out, and that was also the last time I went into a pachinko parlor. Yeah, That's so Mark's similar. Story. I've been in twice because I went in a second time with Mark and did the same thing. <laughs> well, the thing is, growing up in the states, it's like I never even saw one of those until I was like randomly a kid up the street had one and i was like whoa what's this you put balls in it things have like seeing one machine out in the wild by itself isolated it was amazing but then when you get the context that's the depressing part see i first right. i first learned about pachinko um from uh when i worked at the radio station at university of georgia and we had an hour long cd of pachinko noises and i had a few graveyard <laughs> shifts and if people were like annoying me <laughs> If people yeah. are calling in and making annoying calls and requesting like Paula Abdul and stuff because it's college radio, what are you doing? I just put on a Pachinko CD <laughs> <laughs> on the air. <laughs> I did that at least twice. Um, the other Pachinko story involves um, well, another one of our friends, Scott, who uh, the, before I married my wife, we were with her college friends and Scott was visiting and we were at a, a karaoke place and uh, he kept going, Pachinko. He was talking about pachinko, but he stressed the chin part, which is is a penis in Japan. So my wife's <laughs> unique friends all thought like this dude was like really like dirty. <laughs> I've learned since then to stress the pa part. Pachinko. 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 Yeah. Well, I mean, right. we hear chinko chinko every day because we teach kids. So <laughs> also, if you're hanging out with your friend and some new friends, don't go penis, 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 <laughs> penis, penis. I hope that's not the same time we did all the John Denver songs and put this, the word nutsack in because uh, we had just seen the, uh, the Upright <laughs> yeah, Citizens Brigade, Brigade yeah. sketch. So we, we went to, I, I think that there weren't any friends, I mean, any extraneous friends around for that um, karaoke experience. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely um, did wet ass pussy last time I went to karaoke. And I do not apologize. I, um, do you know the name of the censored version? Uh, no. well, the, the name is still WAP, but the, the lyric has changed, but it yeah. makes it worse. It makes it worse. It's wet and gushy. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's wag. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, they don't, they, oh, this is the, the hard, hard thing <laughs> is the, the hard thing was the karaoke version had a bunch of just stars on the screen for every curse word. So <laughs> a bunch of them, I was having to try and remember exactly where it said like fuck and where it said dick. <laughs> things like that was, uh, did you get backwards did you get some weird some i don't know situations that, in the song that is that is like a level eight karaoke song you have to like really just spit the words i have no idea how bad i did okay uh 
Luke, you the look other one, check getting big. Go ahead. Are they the uh, the song he sings in this for karaoke, Gondola no Uta, um, which is just the gondola song. So Uta is just song, but nonetheless, the thing it reminded me of was um, I know Uta. Do you know that one, Matt? Which one? I know Uta. I bet if I heard it, I would. <laughs> uh, so it's the song that was released. Um, yeah, Strawberry Flower Song. Um, the, it was released alongside the first Pikmin game. And it's just a song about being a Pikmin and following orders. And... <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> but it really, really, really resonated with Japanese salarymen. And was considerably more successful than the game. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I still oh, haven't even played Pikmin. a Pikmin game yet. I'm like, uh, four is coming out, and I'm like, can I start with four? Maybe you could. You definitely can, but I would definitely recommend one. I think Pikmin one, a it's a pretty tight little game. You can finish it in like eight hours, and I think it's one of the best games ever made. That GameCube. Yeah. Okay, I have I have ways. Of playing that, yeah, you have. I'm sure you have a legitimate GameCube in your back room yes, and a copy I, on disc. So exactly, you're definitely. You're gonna that I purchased through lots of bureaucratic red tape in order to play the first Pikmin. Certainly have bureaucratic red tape uh, that I also acquired legally in my back room. You'll be you'll be singing you'll be singing that song by the time you finally get the Pikmin. <laughs> yes, I will. <laughs> I'll remember it. Being cursed to live eternity as a Pikmin. Is that what you said the lyrics were about? <laughs> well, yeah, but just for actual Pikmin. But yeah, that, that song was December 6, 2001. And I guess, you know, the lives of the average Japanese worker had not changed much in the wow. uh, 49 years between the film and the song. Well, they were in the bubble afterglow at that point. Because, you know, 80s, 90s Japan was insane, you know? Yeah, like, but you, you, still, you still did just as much working it's just that you did those nights out where you blow 50k every weekend <laughs> i i definitely you know i visited in 2005 and 2012 and it definitely felt a lot more uh um party like party centric in 2005 that might also be because matt was partying more <laughs> i have no yeah. idea <laughs> but it felt i mean there's definitely way more cigarette machines and beer machines on the street yeah, those are pretty much all gone now. So can't just oh. can't just swill down the street like that. You've got might be for the store. best. <laughs> yeah, you can still just go into the convenience store and buy eight cans and put them in your pockets and go out and get pissed. Like, <laughs> and people do. <laughs> but you can't yes. just machine it because they're like, "Hey, wait a minute! Are high school kids buying from this machine? They're not supposed to do that." Yeah, it's like maybe it's not a great idea to have it. Someone who really doesn't want to talk to a person or look at them give them the option to just get up as much alcohol as they want. That, that's sort of a filter. You could go either way on that one. <laughs> it depends, yeah. Oh, my, fir my first note about the song, this is the original, more depressing version when he's out partying, is um, this song's mm. not getting anyone That seems That was the funniest thing in the film to me, <laughs> singing that song to everybody's kind of like, oh. Play some fuck club music instead. <laughs> It was great. <laughs> he gets up and does the Beanie Man. That would have been cool. <laughs> yes, they had definitely had Beanie Man in 1952. 
They did in Japan. It's always been, you know, ahead of. Oh yeah, us. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, <laughs> Beanie Man always been here. Beanie Son. Anyway, yeah. Oh, you just said. Anyway, I don't know what I was. Space. I was trying to. I was thinking of making a point, and I don't remember. How do you guys feel like the workplace has changed during the time that you've been working in Japan? Uh, well, our workplace specifically has changed because we were like a small small-ish company when i joined just basically ran by a manager who started the company and was a dictator and do what she wanted and we've been she's like ret mostly retired and we've been bought by corporate overlords or whatever and so the company has started to be have to obey laws <laughs> 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 i guess i won't say any more than that on the record all right <laughs> that's like yeah. that can be a mixed bag there's still there's still a lot of um I guess in America, it's like you you're doing this company a favor by working for them, right? Kind mm. of. Where in Japan, That's... it's very much like the company is 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 you you owe the company. I I think that most entrepreneurs in America consider the employees to be like indebted to them, even if it's not actually. I think people right now there's really maybe don't agree. <laughs> I think that employees are starting to disagree in far greater numbers. But it's like it's interesting seeing the backlash to things like what they call the Great Resignation, which is kind of ridiculous because unemployment isn't really any higher than it was before the pandemic. But a lot of people died who worked, I guess. Um, but but you'll definitely see things where someone will post a, a job listing that's like now hiring non-idiots, and now it's like <laughs> people will roast the shit out of them in the comments, which is like right. which is the, the correct move because it's like you don't actually i've known this for years it's like if someone is complaining about anyone who worked for them when they're trying to get someone to work for them that is like a red flag the red flag do not work for people who are like out of the gate insulting people who worked for them before what, yeah, what definitely. if what if but i think like, the now hiring morons we finally have enough <laughs> that we can hire some morons <laughs> uh, so like a lot of jobs are also scams here i would imagine probably yeah. a greater number like there was a whole thing when i was in high school it was like kids would uh ride around in trucks and try to sell speakers to people like that was a whole thing that everyone knew about where it's like they pay you in cash and you're in just pull up people in the parking lot hey hey man you want to buy these speakers like you gotta <laughs> buy them right now cash Got, can't do can't do it later you gotta buy them now and it was you know <laughs> i didn't know about that i guess they didn't come to my well <laughs> i i mean i don't think i heard about it through i i think maybe once the guy approached me asking me i wanted to work for him but i mean i've definitely heard a lot of secondhand stuff about it i remember the really stone guy that tried to hook a turntable up in his car turns out it didn't work because <laughs> <laughs> he tried to have a turntable sound system in his car and it like but it, it had like no like shock absorption or anything so it didn't work at all <laughs> wasn't there something like john lennon tried to get something like that installed and it didn't work because the records would just melt oh well he didn't the uh, yeah, there wasn't a melting problem yeah maybe he had a gyroscope or something in his this guy just put it on the, his dashboard so it should have melted yeah <laughs> cassettes are underrated <laughs> to go they back to your melt. question mark i think the the official line is that people give a lot to companies in japan but companies do take care of you better um 
And admittedly, I've only had pretty crap jobs in the UK. But in yeah. terms of like, um, like you are contracted basically for life. And like pay is pretty competitive. And like companies, like if you look at Western video game companies, especially, that's the only industry that I'm knowledgeable about. Like the common practice is we hire a bunch of people and as soon as the project's done, we let all those people go. And then any profit the game makes is just pocketed by the bigwigs, right? Um, yeah, and if you're lucky, you get in the credits. Yeah, if you're still working there at the end and they like you, you might get in the credits. Yeah. Um, whereas yeah. the Japanese gaming industry is like, especially companies like Nintendo, they are very, they do keep their staff on. Um, there's the infamous stories of when Nintendo was struggling in the Wii U era and the 3DS era. All of the management cut their pay in half before letting anyone go. And just yeah. recently, um, the prime minister said, like, oh, you should give your employees raises to match inflation. And like Sega, Nintendo and a bunch of other companies are like, yeah, OK, we will. And just like boost boost salaries by like 30 percent. So like that would just be unheard of outside of Japan. Oh, yeah. yeah for I anything remember. creative, it's like Nintendo's retained. Nintendo's retained a lot of the same people since like 1975. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like people have been been here for the entirety of the existence of video games, which I mean, I, unless you believe that they killed Gunpei Yokoi, which I don't really believe that, but do, do people believe that? <laughs> yeah, kind of. I don't I don't know. That's just like internet scuttlebutt where, you know, he was getting out of his car after his car crashed and a car hit him. So it was like, they're like, oh, it was the Yakuza. They had, they had the Yakuza kill him because the virtual boy was bad. But I don't I don't really believe that. That's kind of ridiculous. Well, the Yakuza did kill the guy that uh, was the CEO of the uh, Osaka Gyoza restaurant. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, that was in the news like a few months ago. So you don't you don't fuck up the Gyoza. Not, yeah, I guess they had some no. bad Gyoza somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> and and does, uh, that, does that mean... Gyoza is to the Japanese mafia what the Gabagool is to the <laughs> Italian American. Yeah, mafia. what is what is Gyoza? It's a meatball with the pasta around the meatball. That's what it <laughs> yeah, <is>. basically. <laughs> it's like a lasagna in your pocket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you get two or three of them in your pocket. Maybe what this crowd wants from this movie, I, I don't know, would would it like speak to you like louder if it were a modern one with, with the the video game chief? Who's been there since oh, since, since it's, the Famicom? It helps. <laughs> it helps me that I can't directly relate to it because it makes it less depressing. It's like hmm. immediately off the off the bat, I was like, "Oh, it's about a guy with cancer." I was like dreading, like just being sad the whole time, and it was really not only just kind of hopeful, but it wants to be hopeful, and the guy wants to be hopeful. And it would be much more difficult if it was a job that I could directly relate to. <laughs> yeah, I, I think don't... there's an element of nostalgia to the film, mm -hmm. which is helped by the film being like I wasn't like we said it wasn't a release, but now it's basically a period piece, and that gives yeah. it a feeling of like he's looking back on his life, and there are some happy there's some happiness in this film. Like it's called living; it's not called dying. Unless yeah, it's not called space. doomed. <laughs> <laughs> no but but that's the thing is that when he goes out to those nightclubs it's like genuinely kind of magical and it's like he's experiencing all that stuff for the first time and so are we because we weren't alive and if we even we were alive in 1952 we probably wouldn't have been drinking in japan in 1952 so it's yeah. just it's uh 
it's like sometimes when I watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I kind of felt like this, where it was like this kind of painful nostalgia for something I never experienced. Mm. I think there's a word for that. It's no, definitely no, a German word for it. <laughs> yeah, German. There's like six German words for it. Actually, I, I think I know what you're talking about. I think it's like a Scandinavian word. Like it's Finnish. Well, Finnish is yeah, its own thing. But I, I think it's a Scandinavian thing you're talking about. Yeah. But yeah, I can't. I can't. Yeah, I'm not gonna dredge that word out of my memory because it's not there. <laughs> it's called Anamoya. Okay, where's it from? Medium.com. No, I mean, where's the word from? That? it's from medium.com oh. sometimes i google things too quickly oh, okay <laughs> i just want to check uh, how my geography is doing well i see a lot of references it doesn't say the like that no, i think it's an english but, word matt yeah i okay. might have like latin roots but Mm-mm. yeah the finnish has... word wouldn't have that i guess well like for whatever reason we keep talking about video games <laughs> on this film set in 1950s about an old man dying of cancer. Well. Um, but the video game industry is built on nostalgia for things I wasn't even alive to play. Yeah, for like, sure. I like feel nostalgic for all these games from the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> you know, anything fantasy is like based in the idea of what happened before civilization, before the Industrial Revolution, at least, you know, way mm-hmm. before that. Back when men were men. Yeah, it's like there's no. (laughs) There's like every Legend of Zelda game basically is some like technology less society, except for Breath of the Wild, which seemingly takes place after a a society more advanced than ours has been destroyed. So, yeah, you would be surprised how many of them have that. There's trains and stuff. Yeah. There are trains. Okay. Fair. Sailing the trains and boats were the height it of definitely, 18th century bookshots. Breath of the Wild leans into that more than any of the others. That's part of why it's my favorite one, is because it reminds me of Metroid games. <laughs> it's like bleep bloops. Hey, do you I'm think he's it's gonna... just one of the best games I've made? But there you go. Yeah, no, that's in my top ten. Do you think Kenji's gonna haunt the park? In like a nice way, though, like a Casper. Yeah, but he'll, like, he'll, he'll be... in Japan, there's the thing of like after you die, you're sort of you become a god, right? Mm-hmm. He he'll be like the cameo samurai of that park, I think, to those mums at least. Okay, I just had an image of like a little girl running to play on the swing, and there's like a spectral old man <laughs> on the swing, and she's like, ah! <laughs> yeah. I mean, he'll be benevolent; she'll still freak out, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've had a few students that are terrified of the Cookie Monster, and I've been told during this. <laughs> class during the, these hours do not unleash the cookie monster well how rare do you i mean i know it's a, a very different time period but how rare do you guys feel like public parks like that are in like urban japan oh no they're pretty common meiji okay. era so from when japan opened up for sure i mean you know before that i'm sure they had something too but they were like very consciously aping the western systems Okay. So they wanted their park system to be something like you'd find in, in, I guess, I don't know, New York or London. So Teddy Roosevelt, it's his. He is the he's the ghost that haunts this park. Well, no, he he was in a national parks. He's in a massive. Park. Oh, we're yeah. talking urban parks. That would be like um, uh, there there is a guy that the guy that did Central Park, I guess, would be this the ghost um in of of this sort of park. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it still amazes me that we got so much built here and then you know now 
people are just trying to take it all away, especially libraries. Mm. Pretty amazing. Oh, are they knocking over libraries? Okay, burning the books. I mean, they're trying to just, they're trying to sabotage everything. Oh yeah, you can't make a profit from a library. <laughs> if I don't make it out, then you know, just let everyone know that I don't want to live here. I've I've fully <laughs> on been a Kindle reader for several years, but I mean, I, I you know, people still rock a lot of books in Japan. I, I've said, you know, like my daughter will go to the nearby rental place and rent DVDs. You know, I mean, that's that's yeah. an anachronism in the states. We have one. We have video drone. Video drone. Okay, I was hoping the only one. Video drone. Yeah, it's been the only one for a long time. It's really <laughs> funny. Right, right. Well, now it's a niche market, isn't it? Where in Japan it's still a pretty mm -hmm. massive market. Because, well, I mean, again, look. I mean, I guess in 1952, but think of just how packed that office was, just with you know, like um, physical data. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, now you would just try to go in on a zoom meeting to try and get your park built no not in japan <laughs> not in japan no, you still be doing okay. paper forms and stuff i mean there, there's just i think they just like last year were like okay we're gonna have a a digital cabinet member so maybe we'll start doing some of these things digitally sometime soon which means 10 years in japan <laughs> um, when you say digital cam cabinet member i'm thinking of it's like just a 3d cgi like hey buddy like the... it's an ai <laughs> it's <a robot>. hey. <laughs> hello Oh, Asimo is um, is eighteen now, so he can join the government. <laughs> <laughs> so, so to be basic for a second, okay, if you guys had six months left to live, what would you do? Well, again, travel. I, I, can you easily travel? Uh, I would run up a ton of debt. Yeah, I mean, who cares, right? <laughs> yeah. I'd run up a ton of debt, leave it in my will. No one pay this stupid debt off. It's just me. <laughs> and uh, also, I'd probably try to ride the craziest roller coasters possible before I'm like unable physically to ride roller coasters. <laughs> I mean, I, I had at least, you know, I had a few weeks of uncertainty where I didn't know what that I had, like relatively plain Jane lymphoma. Sorry, I'm, not, I'm just trying to talk <laughs> it down because it's nothing like what you saw in this movie, right? <laughs> I totally understand it. I mean, I, I have a friend. I definitely got to right. fire up my butt to, you know, make some music and, you know, start doing more podcasts, stuff like that. Right. So, yeah. you know, I got that creative spark, which again, uh, that's my one little disconnect with this movie. And it's not an artistic thing. It's just like, yeah, I don't connect with I, I want to get a park built before I die, you know, but for someone else. Yeah, sure. Why not? If I could, if I could get like a, a third of the belt line built before I died, I mean, if I could, then. I just wouldn't really have the faith that I could do it. I guess you have to be kind of high up to do that type of stuff. Mm. Luke, I assume your answer is just to finish Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> no, <laughs> the first one. Do a bunch of do a bunch of writing. No, all of them. <laughs> oh, I've I've never played any of them. I, I I had never played any of them, and I went back for like the twentieth anniversary. And was like, oh, actually, they are good. Yeah, I've that's that's sort of why it's unfair that they've become the punchline of the entire games industry. <laughs> I I always thought that like you know how Ready Player One the movie was. I always mm. sort of assumed that's what Kingdom Hearts was like. So I never no because Kingdom Hearts is actually made with with love by people who like these things. Yeah, it's, and I mean it is because it's now like Pixar is in there, the live action Disney stuff is in there. It's they seem to be suggesting that Star Wars is going to be in Kingdom Hearts four. Whoa. 
it is that's, leaning that's closer wild. to getting a bit ready player one space jam <laughs> a new legacy <laughs> it's like uh, an rpg is days, good. it's just it's just disney disney is a concept and yeah. it works and it feels very wholesome but then incredibly weird in japanese i mean you know what shouldn't have worked is super mario rpg and that totally worked back in the day like... and then the paper mario is marrying luigi they're all bangers yeah and it took me a long time to play any of that stuff because i just was like uh, i don't know that was the first rpg technically the second but the first rpg i actually finished was super mario rpg nice so i cried i i guess the the question that we're going to be asking for the films here is is it a film or is it filth or is it something in between is that the question <laughs> Is it this is absolutely is it film. film. This like... is a film. <laughs> yeah, you can't really... I can't even. I can't even. It would take me the length of this podcast to list other good films, which are also films which this influenced. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there are ones here that are just obvious. Although, maybe it's, it's a word about ranking. We are this. This is the beginning. This is number one hundred. So there's def. There's definitely, according to IMDb users, uh, ninety nine better films than this one. <laughs> like well, you know i hate rankings and scores and especially what... any form of cumulative score i think it's utterly meaningless and useless to discuss art in that way but this is definitely only so low on the list because most of these people ranking them do not watch foreign films <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah or black and white films like that's yeah. probably at least some people so there's a bunch that just complain about it being slow and boring okay but not the only way to live. One star. So a man's lifetime work is ridiculed. And we're supposed to believe instead that he would have been better off living. Defined as skipping work for numerous days, drinking copious amounts of alcohol and visiting strip clubs. All based on the advice of a random stranger met in a bar. I could only assume the high rating of this film is due to sensitivity towards the irreproachable topic of cancer. Which maybe, just maybe the filmmakers were using to leverage more sinister social ideas. Two out of 24 found this helpful. <laughs> At least somebody found it helpful. <laughs> I was trying so hard not to laugh during that whole thing. See, Ikenu is just a, an exercise in destroying good old-fashioned family values. <laughs> I mean, look what's happened in the 70 years since Ikenu, man. <laughs> Everything's just yeah. yeah. Where where the is question where, is where's good old racist morals now? We don't even know whether it was an American or Japanese or someone else who wrote that review. It's almost like mm. everyone wants to work, go to work. But that, that's looking not... at the list that we've got ahead of us, there's a lot of stuff in there that's like, if this was like an individual critics list or was just from critics, they would not be in a position because it's like it's the general public. But that, that's going to make it more fun, right? I don't just want to be doing yeah, that, black and white films exactly. every week. That, that's what I was saying to you off there yesterday. Like At first, I was like, well, there's the AFI list, which has a lot of good stuff, but that's just American films. That's AFI, right? So mm-hmm. that's, that's I think Unspooled good. did that already anyway, so I don't really want to just <clears throat> copy Unspooled. And, and also, it's like, I was like, well, I also want to do, the, you know, like, 
quote unquote the filth right i want to do the filth too so how yeah. do you do that properly and it's like well this weird populist rating system that luke hates seems like the best way to do it <laughs> yeah I, I like the idea of a top like i just said earlier that zelda breath of the wild is in my top 10 i don't have my top 10 ordered i like having i like having a top 10 or top 20 and be like it's somewhere in there yeah like out of order it's like when you used to have reviews in magazines that were a percentage the fuck is the difference between a 94% and a 93%? Well, and so many of these ratings end up like skewing like anything over a seven is good and anything under a seven is bad, which is ridiculous because if it's a one to 10, then under five should be bad and over five should be good. Right. That's why the only, the only numbered rating system I think is actually good is the old five stars. I think doesn't Famitsu have like a one to eighty one or something like that? No, like Famitsu's in weird... forty, but it gives you four 40? different reviewers. Yeah, that's so you get four scores. No, 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 no. Yeah, okay. is it's, pretty it's good. Four, it's four ten out of tens. Okay, it's well, out I mean, of forty, but it's because they have four different reviewers reviewing out of ten. That's that's like a little better, but still, I just I just feel like everybody tends to skew just everything skews towards if it's good, you're going to give it a like no there should be almost nothing that's a 10 right like right. that should be almost nothing that exists well uh, this film actually here's one that, that more just uh qual- qualitative instead of quantitative but um throne of blood is not on the top 100 list that we're looking mm. at uh and mm. if people are curious this is, I, this is frozen in time as of march 1st 2023 once we get through them all we'll go see what else is there you know but that, that's how this podcast is functioning but I, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess Throne of Blood obviously doesn't have as much of an emotional depth charge as Ikiru, but I like it better. <laughs> I mean, it's got samurais. <laughs> this is the thing about Ikiru is no one's, no one's ever recommended this to me. People mm. have recommended me Throne of Blood or uh, any of his samurai stuff, but um, that's part of the the great value of just diving into a list like this is that like, yes that's like, the other point it's not that we're like oh the ratings are serious but like oh there's so many things here that just wouldn't have we wouldn't have thought about no one would have you know recommended this film to us we now have to watch like <laughs> a 10 terrible spoof movies over the next few years <laughs> it's it's funny because a lot of the filth wherever bad a lot of the bad movies are things that i've heard were bad and i'm cu- more curious about than the good ones I haven't watched. Yeah, yeah, well, for sure. For me, I don't watch much cinema. And when I do, it's stuff with dinosaurs, robots, or spaceships. Gotcha. So, like, films. This podcast is an excuse to make me watch actual films. <laughs> <laughs> so, I am curious to see all the stuff in the top 100 list because, you know, there's stuff in, you know, I think in like about a year, we're going to be watching Citizen Kane. I've never seen Citizen Kane. I don't particularly care to see Citizen Kane. Oh, you're that's what makes me excited. That's what makes me excited to months, see. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to see reaction. On the list. Yeah, it's weirdly 89 on the list. So it's a con- it's, like it's the Beatles. Months, it's or the Beatles. Like, like you could you can either love it, you can hate it, or you can just go in. You can absolutely dislike that film, or you could be like, "Huh, interesting." You just get at that angle. It's, I don't know. I'm making it sound more. You can love it. You can hate it or anything in between. <laughs> I just pitched the idea of movie reviews in general. 
You can have an opinion. <laughs> All right. I, I uh, think it's like the Beatles and that it's like one of the most charged opinions that you can have about stuff. But you know, spoiler for m- many, many episodes. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a film. Okay. But, it's but, a hey, film. We'll see, we'll see what Luke says when we get there. Um, I will say of the filth, the one that I've, I've already had like four different people request the Flintstones Viva Rock Vegas. So just as a, <laughs> as an interesting little behind the scenes, like that seems to be like a standout for some reason. And I haven't seen it yet. I, so <laughs> I have only seen the first Flintstones and I will say that was hot garbage and it's supposed <laughs> to be much better than Viva Rock Vegas. <laughs> Are the B-52s in the first one? I think. Okay. I can't remember. It was like Halle Berry was in it being like, uncomfortably hot <laughs> and that's the only thing i remember aside from it being bad okay well we'll, we'll get to that before too long that's in the not too distant future. but is there a scene where she sucks off fred flintstone while he tries to hack a computer <laughs> i watched shit at school so probably not <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know there is i think there is a swordfish in it though ah cool but it's like it's like just a swordfish that they're using to open a a bottle or something. Yeah, yeah. and then he goes, "Yeah, what life living <laughs> for the weekends." <laughs> <laughs> I, I what I specifically remember is one of them is the garbage disposal, and you you think it's going to say something clever like that, and it just goes, "This job sucks." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's our, that's our future. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I haven't well, yeah. no, that was the better one. The we're, our worst one is in our oh, 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 okay. We, I'm we, talking we, about the 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 better Flintstones film. Okay, yeah, but you want to visit Rock Vegas every once in a while. Okay. Eventually, we may have social media and things to tell you about for this podcast. Um, but we're recording this quite early. But this is a brand new podcast, so make sure you get your ass over to that Apple Podcast and give us a five star rating and a review. Whatever podcast app you're listening to, make sure you rate it, tell your friends, share it, show it up your bum. Whatever you need to do. <laughs> Make sure you live life to the it. full by getting the word out about this podcast. Load it onto your Tesla. Yep. Yeah. In the meantime, official rating film. 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 Guided by night's vision, a vision of something great has been crossed the desert to where the unknown waits. Frying pan of Turpan's fire, passage through the iron gate, a funeral procession, eternity won't wait. Insight into the decline, the relics I hold in hand, monasteries deserted, shadow Gandala's land. This goes beyond what I've heard and is more than what was said. To be being or not to be being. Realization arises as a lotus, transformed in what is called head. Go onto the deer park, under the shade of mangoes, dreamt of my arrival, on my knees and elbows. Taste fruit of holy thought, nectars of the Dharmic seas, no more doctrine gets wrought from liberation seeds. This goes beyond what I've heard, 
and is more than what was said. To be being or not to be being. Realization arises as a lotus, transformed in what is called the head. Through myriad kingdoms, to then penetrate the cave, with all the greatest gifts, to the needy we gave. Bid farewell and return, turn down all the high positions. A pagoda leans west, into all fruition. This goes beyond what I've heard, and is more than what was said. To be being, or not to be being, realization arises as a lotus, transformed in what is called the